Praise the Lord. So how's everybody doing? So what's the first thing we do when we, uh, Danny's preaching? Testimony time. Testimony time. Boy, man, that's pretty good. Anybody got testimony? Tell me God's not active this week. Anybody? Nobody? The Lord saved uh, Bob life this week. He uh, had a little episode and the uh, Lord touched him and brought him out of it. I just want to thank the Lord for being here today. It seems like every time I try to stand up and speak or preach, I uh, really have a tough time getting here. I either wind up in the hospital or last time I had the flu, it took me about two months to get over that. Oh, Satan, he just uh, works against me a lot for some reason. Not to feel so important. I must be important because he's always trying to take me out. Yeah? Nobody has a testimony. Well, next time I preach, I'm going to put, put it on Facebook that I'm preaching, and I want you all to realize that we're going to have testimony time. What's God doing in your life? God, uh, he's my provider. He, he gets me up every day. He keeps me alive. He speaks to me through his word, through my brothers and sisters at church. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate my church, the fellowship. Fellowship is just so powerful to me. And uh, I really uh, enjoy it. I really do. It, it, it's good, solid word. I guess that's, that's what I so much appreciate about it is they're so on target, you know. And it's just really awesome to see these young guys come up and, and speak and, and really be on target, you know. And we have quite a few of them. Last week, Daryl spoke in there. and Wow, Daryl's just right on target. He just... Uh, it's really got a, a good word, and uh, I really enjoy it. I guess in my old age, uh, what I call my old age, there you go. I, I, I second thought that when I said it. Um, just watching these guys walk up and take over just uh, gives me comfort. It does. It gives me comfort. There for a long time I was asking the Lord, well, well Lord, when... Uh, me and Paul and Charlie get old, what's, what's going to happen? You know? Well, now I can see. I can see it now. So, Hey, uh, let's get into the Word. Uh, first thing I guess we need to really get clear here is, does everybody believe that everything in this book is what it says it is? I mean, do you think this is a fairy tale? I mean, I think there's a lot of people that read this book and think it's a fairy tale. The story we're going to look at tonight, you really got to be solid in your Word to believe it, because if... If there's a little bit of iffy, iffy, iffy there, well, this little story we're going to talk about tonight will make you go, what a good fairy tale that is. We're going to look at Jonah tonight. And uh, me and the wife have been going through the Bible, and and Jonah really spoke to me this time that we looked at it. And I just saw it in a a whole different light. And I thought I would just uh, speak, we would just speak about it and try to bring it into our present day. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh. Let's stop right there. Your Nineveh might not be in Africa. Your Nineveh might not be in New York or San Antonio. Your Nineveh might be right there at your house raising your children. Your Nineveh will change as your life goes on. Your Nineveh right now might be at your job. Your Nineveh might right now be wherever you're at, at the store. I, many a time, my Nineveh was in a produce cooler or a meat cooler where a guy would come to me and ask me, hey, man, I'm going through this. Could you pray for me? 
You don't have to go across the world to the other side of the world to China to, to, China to be at your Nineveh. If the Lord tells you to go somewhere, just go. I don't care if it's across the street. I don't care if it's right now. I had a visit with a guy right down the street I talked about earlier. His wife's dying of cancer. Right out in my driveway, we had a great uh, a prayer meeting right there in the house at the, in my driveway. At that point in time, at that moment, that was by Nineveh. That's where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be right there in that driveway uh, praying with that guy. Your Nineveh might be getting up, making cereal for your children. Your Nineveh might be planting the word in your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor, your husband. It might be carrying your wife along. It might be carrying your nephew along. Your Nineveh is where God wants you to be, where he calls you right then. It don't have to be all the way on the other side of the United States or some foreign land. It could be right where, it's right where you're standing. That's your Nineveh. Now, he might call you over there. If he does, great. But don't think just because you're not off in a foreign land as a missionary that God hadn't called you to your Nineveh because he has. He's called you to do something. And when you're doing it, that's where your Nineveh's at. That's where you're supposed to be. Man, I just got a grasp of this the other day. I don't have to be off somewhere doing mighty things for the Lord. I take care of what God tells me to take care of. The word, the, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. When it comes to you, when he tells you to do something, just do it. That's your Nineveh. That's where you're supposed to be. So don't think just because you're not some big missionary, you're not important in the, in the house of the Lord or in the, the body of Christ, but you are. We all have a Nineveh. Every one of us, every one of us have a Nineveh. We're supposed to be somewhere. If it's raising children, whatever it might be. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it, has, it is wicked and has become before me. Verse 2, but Jonah ran the other way. Now, how many people, how many times, Danny read, have you ran from the Lord? Done exactly opposite of what he told me to. Well, he told me to go pray with Dwayne today. Well, I don't feel like going over today. I don't feel up to it. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. <laughs> what a brother we are. Just stop and ask yourself, how many times have you, have you ran from the Lord? How many times do we just not do what God tells us to do? If God tells you to do small things and you don't do them, you're not going to get no big things. You're just not going to get them. He'll give it to somebody else. God speaks to you. God speaks to you to do something, just do it. I don't care how small it is. If it's give somebody five bucks, just move, just do it. But Jonah ran the other way from the Lord, and he headed for Tarsha. Now I want to tell you something. This, <laughs> this Tarsha was in the opposite direction 
of Nineveh, and it was about as far away as you're going to get from Nineveh. How hard he must have worked. We'll look at the story here in a minute. How hard he had to work to get there, you know? How hard he had to work just to get that far away from the Lord. So we need to ask ourselves today, how hard are we working against the Lord? How hard are we working against exactly what he tells us to do? He tells us to do something, and how much energy, how much effort, how much work, how much money, how much strength do I spend trying to do the opposite thing? I think it takes a whole lot more effort to run from the Lord if I would just lay down and just go do it. Because he's going to bless me. And he's going to guide my path if I'm working for gift for him. But if I'm working against him, man, I'm having to do so much effort. And he went down to Joppa. Now, Joppa was a, was a port. And he went there within mine to get on a ship. So all this time he's thinking, well, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. How many times do I just go do what I want to do? Well, I don't want to go do this, so I'm going to go do this. Knowing exactly that the Lord don't want me to be doing that. But I go doing it anyway. And when he found a ship, he boarded it from that port. After paying a fare, now wait a minute. Not only is he putting over the energy not doing what God wants him to do. Not is he not... Uh, Doing exactly opposite what he was. He's paying. He's paying money to do exactly opposite what the Lord wants him to do. Now, how much money have I thrown down the drain doing exactly opposite of what God wants me to do? How many times have I just threw money in the wind doing exactly opposite what God, what God wants me to do? But yet he lets me go ahead and do it because I got a choice. My choice is I can either follow him or I don't have to follow him. I can go to Joppa anytime I want to. Just get on that ship and ride. All you got to do is get on that boat and ride. Pay your fare. Pay a few extra bucks. See, you can put that in today's language. You know, uh, instead of coming to church tonight, I could have stayed home, drank Budweiser, and done a few drugs and had a good time. Cost me a whole lot more. Well, I'm just being honest here. It cost me three times as much to stay home and do all that other mess and wake up tomorrow feeling like a dog, feeling terrible, hungover, feeling horrible. Or I could do what the Lord wants me to do and I can just come down here to the church and preach a little word, you know, have a little fun, laugh at you guys a little bit, go home, get a good night's nice rest, wake up tomorrow feeling good. See, we pay so much we pay such a high price for low living, as my pastor used to say. It costs a lot of money to live low. It costs a lot of money to run from the Lord. It costs a lot of money to get on that port, on that boat, that ship, and from Joppa. A whole lot of money. And we haven't even seen half of it yet. We're just now getting started. So I want to ask yourself, ask yourself, what do you do that you know you shouldn't be doing? You're paying a high price for it. 
but we just exhaust ourselves. We just exhaust ourselves trying to be the man of the hour or the woman of the hour when all we got to do when all we got to do is follow him in his footsteps. All we got to do is fall on our knees and say, okay, Lord, where's my Nineveh? Where am I supposed to be, Lord? What am I supposed to be doing, Lord? So he got, he, uh, he just uh, completely turned, went the opposite direction and ran from the Lord, went to Tarsha, went down to Joppa and he found a boat, and he, he got on that boat, and uh, he boarded it, and uh, sailed off for Tarsha to flee from the Lord. Mm. To flee from the Lord. No, oh, we just need to soak on that for a minute. To flee from the Lord. Man. How many times in my life, how many times in my life, ask yourself, how many times in your life have you fleen from the Lord, just decided, well, I'm done. Go do what I want to do. I'm going to go do what dating wants to do and go fishing Sunday and I'm not worried about the Lord. He might not show up here anyway. Guys, we need to get on board with Jesus. We need to get on board with Jesus. We don't need to be second-guessing tomorrow and the next day and say, oh, well, no, we need to get on board with Jesus. We need to stay on board with Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get up every morning. Seek the God. Seek the Lord. Open his word. found myself, after I read this, I found myself saying, Lord, uh, if there's anything in me that causes me to flee, search me, Lord, and let me know my ways, and bring it to the top, Lord, so I can, uh, we can work it out. Because the last thing I want to do in my life is, is flee from you, Lord. I don't want to be rubbing my shoulders with the wrong people. I don't want to be rubbing my shoulders with a bunch of guys that's going to take me down. I want to rub my shoulders with Christians, people that encourage me, lift me up. People of the body. So we got, he's on the ship, he boarded, he paid his money, he's, he's ran about as far as he can run, and off sail, sail they set, off they're gone. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break apart. All the soldiers were afraid, and each cried out to their own God. Wait a minute. Boy, we've got to talk about this. You can't just pray to any old God out there. There's a lot of gods out there that are dead. And we can't just be praying to just any of them. We need to be praying to the right God, the only God, the one and only God, Jesus Christ. If you're praying to somebody else or some other idol, you're burning time. I'm in the middle of this conversation now with a, with a person that's a Catholic, a Catholic priest to be exact. 
And uh, you just can't pray to anybody. It just don't work that way. It does not work that way. There's one God, and all the rest of them you're praying to is a waste of time. Wasted time. Wasted time. So all these sailors were praying to all these gods. And they were crying out to their own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the load. To lighten the ship. <laughs> that reminds me of back in the day before I was saved. I used to get myself in these binds, and, and uh, you know how it is with financial binds. And I would light my load whenever I need money. I had to go down to the pawn shop and light my load a little bit and, and give me a little few cash to get me through the, through the week, you know. That's the same thing, same exact thing. I'm throwing stuff overboard trying to, trying to light my load to make it a little easier so I can get down the road. They're doing the same thing. They're throwing cargo overside trying to make light in the load. They've been praying to their own God. They've been praying to, to these gods that are dead and trying to make it right. And he didn't do them no good, gods they're praying to. So what do they do? They start throwing cargo over, over the side. The light in the ship. Jonah had gone down below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. All this is going on. All this mess is going on up here, upstairs. And he's down in the bottom of the ship. Curled up asleep. You know what I call that? <clears throat> I call that peace in the midst of a storm. God will give you peace in the midst of a storm. He'll give you that peace that people look at you and go, How do you got so much peace? How can you be in such a big mess? Because it's praying to the right God. And the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? People ask you, How can you have so much peace in the midst of this storm? Well, you see, when they ask you that, you just tell them, The only hope that we, any of us, the saved, the unsaved, the Catholic, the Methodist, I don't care who you are. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ. That's it. Guys, I'll tell you this. If, John, if Jesus Christ is phony, boy, we're in trouble. We're in a deep, deep, deep trouble. But I'm telling you, he's not. So have no fear. He's not. He's real. He's good. So when you have that, that peace... How can you sleep? They said, get up. Call on your God. Now, he was, see, Jonah had the right idea. On his God. That Jesus. Maybe he will notice us, and he will, we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And the lot fell on Jonah. Now, there's, there's a lot of uh, controversy on what kind of lot it could have been. It could have been 
coins. It could have been a short straw. He could have got the short straw. You know, he could have had paper tore up. He got the long piece of paper. You just don't know what their lot was. But whatever it was, they had all decided that it's Jonah's fault. <laughs> He just got the short end of the stick, you might say. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered them, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. They, they, this terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? And they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told him. Now, let me, let me tell you something. If you've got a friend, and y'all walking along in life together, and y'all do all this stuff together, and if he tells you, Hey, Danny, I've been running from the Lord quite a while. It's time that I separate myself from this guy, you know? That ought to speak to you about your friends. If you have friends that are just out there doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, guys, you either got to <coughs> speak to them about the Lord, and if they don't want to come along, you have to cut ties with them. If you're going to clean your life up, and I know this from experience, because I was there, I know. There's three things you've got to replace. People, places, and things if you're trying to clean your life up. If you're trying to get your life right, sometimes you have to cut a lot of people loose. And when you do come to the Lord and you start serving the Lord, there's a lot of people that want to cut you loose. But when they do, don't be saddened because the Lord will call things out of your life to make you walk with him. He'll call things out of your life. He will. So if you have friends out there that are, that are, that are starting to pull you down and, and, and really giving you a burden, you need to really analyze the situation. And I'm not saying doing it on your own. I'm saying, you know, consult the Lord. Get off by yourself and, and, and ask the Lord, you know, what, <clears throat> how do I need to handle this? Because, you see, we're all warriors of Jesus. We're in, this, uh, we're in this spiritual war that we don't even realize we're in half the time. If, if, we, if we realized how, what kind of war we're in, this place would be packed out. Because people would be so hungry to hear the word and, but, that they were scared of what's going on. Because the spiritual warfare that's going on in the spiritual realm, if we could see it, hmm, It'd scare you to death. It'd scare you to death. You would be so frightened. That's the reason it's so important that we, we constantly, constantly are sensitive to the Lord, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because we have to be, to be active warriors in this, in this war that we're in. So that asking him, who are you? Where you come from? And they told him that he talked about his God. And in 11, he says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, 
What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? <laughs> Here you go. What does he do with you? What do you do with those friends? Just pick them up and throw them overboard. I know that's a harsh way to put it, but see ya. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it takes. I, I know that's harsh. Sometimes you've got to pick them up and throw them overboard. I know that's, that sounds cruel, but, you know, 30 years ago when I started this walk with Jesus, if I wouldn't have picked some people up and threw them overboard, I'd be right back out there. My mother used to say that trouble loves company. Misery loves company. She's right. I'm going down. I don't go down myself. I'm going to take Dwayne with me. You just can't. You just can't hang. You just got to be careful who you hang out with. It's going to form your character. Wow. It's going to form your character. It's going to, it's going to form the way you act, the way you talk, the things you do. Pick me up and throw me overboard, he replied, and it will calm down. I know that it is my fault that the great storm has come upon you. So all this time that Jonah is on this ship, and he's, he's, all this stuff he's done so far in this book, he knows. He knows he's in trouble. He knows that he's running from the Lord. He knows that he's going to drag everybody down with him. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to land. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They said, maybe we can just go a little, maybe we'll try a little harder. Put a couple more men out there roaring. Put up themselves. Let's try to get this thing under control, you know? No, don't throw that boy overboard. Man, you'd be better off just throwing him overboard. And don't ever throw him overboard at the front of the ship. Throw him at the back of the ship. So that when you sail away, you don't have to look at him. So they did their best, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. So at this point, they knew what we got to do. There comes a point in your life when you know you got to do what you got to do. There comes a point in your life when you know, Lord's telling me to do this. And I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how bad it is. If the Lord's telling you to do it, got to do it. That's if, that's if you want to be an active Christian. That's if you're really serious. I don't think we take Jesus as serious as we should. I just don't think the body of Christ I think the world's got us so tied up and bound up and, and busy that we're just spinning around, you know? Spinning around, yeah? Spinning, 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 spinning. And we never stop. Sometimes you've got to just stop and sit down. Sometimes you just got to stop and sit down, get by yourself somewhere, in your car or 
in your closet or in your bedroom or wherever it might be. You just got to get there and sit down and say, okay, Lord, talk to me. And just be quiet. But then what happens? The phone rings. Or somebody knocks on your door. You don't have people knocking on your door at 5 o'clock in the morning? It's important. It's really important that you get along with the Lord. It's really important that you learn how to hear from the Lord. It's really important that when the Lord tells you to go to your Nineveh, that you've got the ears to hear. It's really important. Oh. It's, re- it's really important that, that when the Lord tells you to go do something, you've got the ears to hear it. It's really important that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that takes years of practice. Did for me. Years for practice. Took me years to, to really hear from the Lord. Took me years to, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This wasn't a real fast thing for me. I'm a slow learner, I guess. Just takes it took me years. Some people get it just like that. Boom. Not Danny. No. It took me years to learn how to sit down and really hear the Lord. Really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I preach in the men's class. You can ask Dwayne. I'm always talking about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because I think that's the number one thing that we as Christians really have to learn to do. Because, see, that's our comforter. That's our guider. He guides us. He gives us comfort. If you can't be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I don't think you're going to hear the Lord. So it's really important that you learn how to get by yourself and hear from the Lord. So they cried out, do not please. So they were begging the Lord not to... Not to let them die because they're going to kill this guy. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw him overboard. And what's the first thing you think when I throw somebody overboard out in the middle of a straging storm? He's going to die. So they were begging to the Lord, please don't hold us accountable for killing this innocent man. What they didn't know was he wasn't innocent. He was running from the Lord. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea Calm down. As soon as they got rid of Jonah, as soon as you get rid of your problem, as soon as you get rid of those friends, as soon as you get rid of that Budweiser, as soon as you quit drinking that alcohol, as soon as you quit doing them drugs, as soon as you clean up that filthy mouth of yours, I'm just preaching here, I'm not not throwing no rocks at anybody, but as soon as you get your act together, as soon as you get serious about Jesus, as soon as you make a stand and quit playing around, and man up, that storm in your life is going to calm down. That sea, that raging sea in your life is going to calm down. See, there's, there's a calm storm out there. There's a calm sea out there for every one of us. But we have some responsibilities. We have some, some responsibilities that we have to take care of before it'll get calm. In other words, when I first came to the Lord... 
I drug some stuff into this walk of mine with me. Give my pastor because he knows. I drug some stuff in this thing with me. And it took me a couple of years before I got rid of this stuff. Now, I was throwing stuff overboard, don't get me wrong. I just didn't throw everything overboard. There's a few things I thought, well, I can just hang on to this isn't that bad. You know, I can hang on to this. No, when you're throwing stuff overboard, the Lord expects you to man up and throw everything overboard. Did you hear me? When you're throwing stuff overboard, the Lord don't expect you to hold on to half of it. He expects you to clean it up. That's your responsibility. He don't expect you to run around here with a dirty mouth. He don't expect you to run around here being deceitful. He don't expect you to be running around here stealing. He expects you to clean your act up. See, you're an ambassador for Jesus on this earth. Let me repeat that. We are an ambassadors for Jesus on this earth. I'm in this boat too. And you have a responsibility of how you should act, how you should handle your business, what you do behind closed doors. You're expected, not by me, not by Rachel, not by Paul or Sandy or Benny. You're expected by the Lord, Jesus Christ, to get your act together. Now, yes, sir, he does have grace. And he will put up with you for a long time. He has a lot of patience. And I know this because he's had a lot of patience with me. Lord has expectations on you. It's hard to see when you're first coming out of darkness. But now that I've been doing this for 30 years, he's got expectations on Danny Red. Yes, he does. He has expectations on me. He expects me to throw everything overboard, not half of it. He don't expect me to be sold out half-heartedly for him. He don't expect me to just say, well, on Sunday morning, I think I'll uh, uh, worship the Lord, and then I'm going to take off Tuesday and Monday, Tuesday, and a half a day on Wednesday. I'm going to come up here for an hour on Wednesday, and, and, and I'll do my Holy Ghost stuff, and then I'll go home and, you know, no. Mm-mm. When I threw that stuff overboard, I had to throw it all overboard. It took me a while to do it, but I did it. Not by my strength, by his strength. Because I was pretty dirty when I got here. I was pretty messed up when I got here. But by his grace. So they took Jonah and they threw him. And as soon as they threw him, the, the rage and seed calm. At this, the men were greatly feared of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice. I hope that every one of us here tonight fear the Lord. That fear of the Lord is not, oh, I'm scared. That fear of the Lord is a respect. A holy respect. Verse 17. But the, but the Lord provided a great fish that swallowed up Jonah and was inside the fish for three days and three nights. There's something about that three days and that three nights. So the rest of all of verse 2 is, is really a prayer of gratitude. For uh, So let's skip to, to verse 3. So the, verse 2 is just a prayer of, of how... Jonah was inside the belly of fish, the belly of this fish, and he would just really gratitude that he didn't drown. He just didn't, Lord, he didn't take him out. So in verse 3, so in verse 10 of 2, after the prayer, and the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up on dry land. So I imagine he'd been pretty wore out by this time. You know? 
spit him out. Now imagine you look pretty rough too, don't you think? Yeah. Verse 3. Then the word came to the Lord, came to Jonah again a second time. How many times in my life have I not done what God told me to do the first time? And I have to go through all this mess and all this. Just for the Lord to hear, I hear it again. And the second time I go, oh, I got enough sense. First time I mess up. First time, what do they say? First time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. I went through all that stuff. Jonah went through all this stuff. This raging sea, this running from the Lord, paying for the fee. To, you know, he did all this stuff. Got thrown out, got swallowed by a fish. Then the Lord came to Jonah a second time. <clears throat> Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I gave you. Boy, that just wears me out. Can't you just hear the conversation? Danny, I told you to go do that, and you just didn't do it. You're just stubborn. You just go through all this stuff. You just buck me. You just fight me. You just give me all this trouble, all this anguish, all this pain. But all you had to do was do it. And after all is said and done, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. I'm going to go back to it. Where is your Nineveh? What is God telling you to do? Where is he telling you to go? In men's class a couple of weeks ago, we was talking about, about, our, uh, about our assignments for God, about what we're supposed to be doing for God. And Daryl said, or Tim said, or... Dwayne, somebody in there said, some of the great, greatest, uh, how'd they put it? The greatest ministries are not something you, oh, some of the great, greatest things you preach are not preached, they're raised. Guys, your Nineveh might be raising your little children in the way of the Lord. It might seem so insufficient to be sitting at a uh, breakfast table with Cheerios and spilt milk all over the place. And a whining baby over here and a kid over here running around the table. But that might be your Nineveh. That might be where God has you right now. We all have different seasons in our life. And those seasons should come naturally. If it's raising children. If it's raising high school children. If it's being an elder in the church, a pastor, or a sister or brother, whatever your Nineveh is. We all have a Nineveh. We all have a place to be. We all have an assignment. We all have a ministry. I used to think when I first was saved, well, I, you got to go to Africa to have a Nineveh. You got to go to here to have a Nineveh. I got to go do something big for the Lord now. In the words of Charlie Goodson, Danny, just do what the Lord calls you to do. He'll take care of the rest. Whatever your Nineveh is. It don't have to be nothing spectacular. It don't have to be nothing big. And there's nobody can tell you or me what my Nineveh is. You can't come along and say, well, Danny, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Your Nineveh is over here. No, you can't tell me. The only way I want to find out is 
Get back in that chair. Sit back down. Seek the Lord, and he'll tell you what your enemy is. This time, uh, Jonah obeyed the Lord, the word of the Lord, and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. Nineveh was a big place. It took about three days to walk through it. The visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city and proclaimed. city he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God, and they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. You know, when people proclaim the Lord, you need to take it serious. When your pastor stands up here on Sunday morning and brings a word, there's something that you've got to understand about this word that he brings. That's not a word from Paul Golden. That's not a word that Paul Golden made up. That's not a word that he just sat home and wrote down a few words on a piece of paper. No, that word that he brings on Sunday morning, he goes back to that chair over there that I'm talking about, and he sits down. He might be walking out in the backyard in circles praying, but he hears from the Lord. And that word that he's bringing us is the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. It's not a word of Paul Golden. It's not a word of, that Sandy gave Paul Golden. No. It's a word from the Lord. And we've got to learn to accept it that way. Because, see, Paul is just a vessel. I know all this stuff because I've learned this stuff from him. Paul is just a vessel. He's just something that the Lord speaks through. He's just available. That's all. Just be available. And the Lord will speak through you too. Just like he speaks through Paul Golden. Just like he speaks through me. Bob, Charlie, Dwayne. Last week we had Chevy bring a, bring a message. The Lord spoke to him. See, we're all available. We're all working. We all can speak to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. But we have to make ourselves available. We have to want to get in our position that the Lord will speak to us. And once you get there, the people will hear it that way if they're in tune with the Holy Spirit. When the news had reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from the throne, took off his robe, his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. That dust... Sometimes I think when I sit down in that chair, I'm sitting down in the dust. When I sit down in that chair to hear the Lord, and I really get alone with the Lord, that's when I'm sitting down in that dust. So let's go down to uh, verse 4. <laughs> Whole chain of events have happened, and here we are at verse 4. This is just totally humorous to me. <laughs> But Jonah was greatly displeased and angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? 
This is why I so quickly fleed you to Tarsha. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, show to anger, slow to anger, and abounding in love. A God relentless from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take my life. It is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made shelter, himself shelter, sat down in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He had done, went through all this, preached his gizzard out, and now he's telling the Lord, well, that's the reason I ran to start with. So he kind of thought in his head that he had a right to run. You ever think you have a right to run? You ever think that you have a right to do something opposite of what the Lord tells you to do? Do you ever think that when the Lord sends you to your Nineveh that you say, well, I got a good reason I'm not going. I got a good reason. Well, my, my, my child is sick or, or I, got, I got to play a gig this weekend. I can't go this weekend. Uh, or, or I got to go to work on Monday. No, I can't do it. No. Or, or I got stuff to do on the farm. Or I'm going to play with my hot rod. See, we have so many excuses why we're not doing what God tells us to do. And they're good excuses. I agree. But they're excuses. Father, help us to have knowledge and understanding and wisdom to hear you. Father, help us, Lord, that when you tell us to go to Nineveh, Father, we just get up and go to Nineveh. Father, help us to realize that our Nineveh is, <clears throat> might not be some great, fabulous thing that the whole world's going to see, Lord, but our Nineveh might be just be right there in our house. Our Nineveh might be right next door. Our Nineveh might be right as close as that phone that's in our pocket. Just pick it up and call somebody. That might be my Nineveh, Lord. My Nineveh might be helping somebody out of a bind, Lord. Father, we all have our Ninevehs, Lord. And yes, Father, we're stubborn sometimes. We don't want to go there because they seem so insignificant. They seem like they're not that important. Lord, they are that important. Father, I pray, Lord, that each person here tonight would know what their Nineveh is. And Father, each person here would <clears throat> meditate this week in their prayer time with you, Lord, in their a time alone with you, Lord, and ask, what is my Nineveh, Lord? What am I supposed to be doing? Lord, what's my Nineveh? Father, there's people here tonight that know exactly what their Nineveh is, Lord. So, Father, I pray you prosper each one of us as we carry out our Nineveh. Father, I just lift up the body of Christ tonight, Lord, and ask, Father, you would help each one of us be busy about your business. Just as Jesus said as he was 12 years old, Lord, can't you see that I have to be about the Father's business? 
Lord, can't we see we need to be about your business? Father, I want to know what my Nineveh is. I want to know what my assignment is. I want to know, Lord, what, what you would have me do in the big scheme of things, Lord. Because see, all these small things that we do make up that big scheme, Lord. Make up that big scene, Father, that the body of Christ. Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand here, Father, and share your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.